Today is September 26th. The Yankees have six games left. They're mathematically eliminated, and changes are a coming. Says both the Aaron's. We're going to talk to one of them on this her program. Let's talk Yanks. Hello and welcome to Talking Yanks. It's a midweek episode. It's our penultimate uh, bantering with Boone episode. We've got sharp stats and we've got some quotes from the Aaron saying changes are coming. Some articles from the Jays, the other Jays, not uh, Jimmy and Jake, but Joel and John uh, kind of ripping the Yankees apart. So we're going to talk all about that. Jake, how you doing? Jays and journalists. Jimmy, yeah. BBD, everyone joining us. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of funny, you know, these two articles that have come out now. Uh, well, Sherman or Heyman was a couple days ago. Sherman uh, shook the trees a little bit today. I know we've had some fun people reach out being like, hey, did you boys see this article? Yeah. A um, couple good words in there. Charlatans. Look that up this morning. Like that. Adding that to the repertoire. Uh, that's when you visit Charlotte. Um, but yeah, the... Uh, I don't know. Now that it's, you have to wait till it was officially done for the riders to get their their piece off, and there's blood in the water. And I think it's almost the same effect. Our biggest episodes in Talking Yanks history are when the Yankees do something bad, when they get swept by the Red Sox. Like the bottoming out this year <laughs> were some of our biggest episodes. Uh, and I think for these riders, Heyman and Sherman. These are probably going to be their most popular articles of the year because it's um, it's real, and I think it's hard to argue against a lot of the points they make, man, because it's a lot of the points we've been talking about for a while. A lot of the points everyone's been making for uh, a little bit, and now it's like, hey, you know, you guys can't stand on um, some of the stuff that's happened where this has uh, not blown up in your face because now all the things people have been worried about are blown up in your face. Uh, because the other things didn't go right, and and you just provide you, you just thought all these rookies were going to save you. That was like the one thing I said at the start. I mean, whatever. It was very easy. It, it was. I thought they would be good. I did not think they were going to finish in last place. But because I thought, you know, and maybe if Judge and Rizzo stay healthy, they overcome the the terrible rest of the roster. But that's not really a good playoff solution to have two guys that provide everything. But we said, you know, one of I, Hicks, IKF, Donaldson, they couldn't be part of the plan. And then I said, you can't have three rookies be part of the plan. And it's like, okay, so you're banking on three guys who you know won't work out and three rookies who you have no idea. And guess what? O for, o for 6. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think... Obviously, I, I think the the pace of the season changes. R- Rizzo gets hurt, and it's almost worse than him getting hurt and being out because they played him through it and kept him in the middle of the lineup 
as he was one of, if not the least productive player in baseball for two months. Uh, and yeah, losing Aaron Judge and now seeing Judge back again, it's it brings back those memories of like, oh yeah, that's a pretty good one-two punch. Like, remember when, you know, DJ's been hot for this second half and Glaber's gone that, yeah, if you were able to piece one or two pieces around it, whether that's a trade deadline piece or if they... If they had the stones to call up Dominguez, not that I think they would have. I think they only called up Dominguez because the season was on fire, um, and then he gets hurt anyways. But, yeah, the uh, the lineup needs a lot of juice. Uh, the pitching staff fell apart, but that's, or you know, kind of has come with just end of season, does anything matter anyways type vibes. Um, but they, also the Monty and the Montas and... All and and all that like goes hand in hand there as well. They Gallo, traded. They traded Donaldson IKF. They traded Toss. Yeah, they traded Mont, uh, Montgomery away because they said he he wasn't a playoff pitcher, and that's what Joel Sherman says in his article. What is now the top fifteen pitcher in MLB, and, and and you have nothing to show for it. All the moves, and that's why Hal said we're not trading anymore. All your trades in the last three years have been garbage. We're not trading anymore. Yeah, comes from the top. Um, so they got a lot of changes coming. Judge says there's changes or there's things that he's going to have a heavy hand in trying to figure out. I don't know what those are going to be. Yeah. I, I'm just so scared we're not going to see changes. Yeah, I understand the fear. Um, auditing. Auditing. Hopefully that leads to something. And the fact that they're talking about them is a good sign. You know, I mean, Judge, Boone. Uh, the fact that they're bringing in uh, probably McKinsey that the other baseball organizations have brought in to change their program. Um, it's just... Uh, I, I think I think change is coming. The scary part is, is it enough change for us to really sink our teeth into next season to start? Like, obviously, spring training always brings hope with it in a certain way, and we'll talk ourselves into Rizzo. Like, that's that's when we'll be able to talk ourselves into, like, hey... If, as long as he's healthy, he should be a good version of a baseball player and a lefty first baseman. He's having a great give, year before he got hurt. Give me Judge. Hopefully, you'd like to think Volpe can be better. Is it Glaber's last year? What else is there? Um, but it's it's the fact that, and Sherman and Heyman allude to it in their articles, you know, normally, normally you see the path pretty easily in free agency, right? It's... Or, or even, you know, sneaking up on the deadlines. Like that Castillo-Montas deadline, it was like, well, Castillo will be the the first pitcher to go and you'll have to pay for him. And then Montas will be on deck and then there's other trickle-downs after that. The free agency pool, there's not a ton of moves. Uh, you know, Cody Bellinger's the one impact lefty. There's some risk there. Like the guy doesn't have a pristine uh, health background or performance background. And he's like the big lefty outfielder. So there's other teams that want that. So are you going to be in a bidding ward for Cody Bellinger? And what does that actually do for the team? And I don't know. I don't know as they audit this up. Um, man, I hope, I guess here's the hat, glass half full. This should be one of the more fascinating off seasons. Yeah, because they really have to make changes. Like, you know. We were told they needed to get more lefty and athleticism, and they traded for Donaldson and IKF. 
So mm. we were told we're go we need a lefty left fielder. They didn't get a lefty left fielder. They didn't get a left fielder. That uh, was at the last offseason. Then at the deadline, we were told they were searching for a lefty left fielder at the deadline. They didn't make a move at the deadline. So hopefully the audit people are like, why don't you stick to your word? And also they keep not trading these young prospects because, well, no, no one's matching what we think they're worth. Well, guess what? They all came up and they all stunk. So what, we, we need to reevaluate what they're worth. And you treat them like they're not great. You treat them <laughs> like they're bad. They yeah. haven't performed. And they probably match what you're being offered. So like if they, for them to change house, everyone needs to be on the table besides Judge and Cole. Rodon, you're tied money to. But honestly, everyone else needs to be available to be moved if a better situation comes. And all stubbornness and all pride needs to be just scraped away. But I don't think they have it in them to do that. Yeah, that's. Uh, I would agree with you there. And the articles do talk on it that that's... That'll be the interesting part to me because you, you can change up the way you evaluate players and you can, you know, we're going to draft these kind of guys instead of these kind of guys and we're going to focus on these drill in the minor league. Sure, and all, all that's really important, but, um, man, that pride button, um, I don't know if you can change that. And when you have all the years of experience that are making decisions for the Yankees, uh Usually that years those years of experience do turn into pride and it's hard to it's hard to change off of that. Um so that'll that'll be the scary part. And it'll just be it'll be circling around Giancarlo all offseason. I you know, we always uh and you you may be the best interpreter in the world at this, but when we get the end of the season Cashman press conference like so fascinated to hear the wording around Giancarlo's and DJs and things like that because Cashman usually does leave a little bit of, of meat on the bone there. Uh, and I'll, uh, just to close off my side of it, the left fielder thing has maybe been my biggest gripe with Cashman. Like, you know, Rodon, yeah, you brought in like a high-powered lefty starting pitcher and hopefully this year gets looked back and like, wow, that stunk and he was hurt and he was trying to catch up. Sure. We all wanted to bring in Rodon. Uh, you know, that when the Stanton trade happened, we were all excited and we knew there was some risk on the end of it. Um, like, what you can go through a lot of these moves and be like, yeah, I don't, you know, DJ kind of forced our hand back-to-back top but, four MVPs. Yeah. The left fielder in Cashman's quotes are the most unacceptable things I've ever heard. When he, he just kept hiring home like, yeah, you know, we kind of misread the market and we didn't get one. That's the gig. Yeah. That is the entirety of the job. <laughs> and it's one of the nine positions in the lineup you have to fill out. That's not an excusable answer. Like, I'd rather have you swing and miss. I'd rather have you bring in Conforto for a yeah. year and be like, well, you know, we, we had to. Them. We needed a lefty outfielder. They tried and with, said you did nothing. They tried with Gallo and they brought in Benny and then they didn't like retain Ben and he got a high price tag from uh, Chicago. But there was other there's other options. But hey, they didn't they didn't replace him. It was old. And that's thing. something that Joel Sherman talks about in his article, which we've been discussing for a long time, is that all of their decisions are one off decisions. 
where they vote and one department wins out and they get their way for that player or that move. And there's no one taking care of the big picture. And how does this all come together in a cohesiveness? We've been discussing that since 2021 when we were told about how their voting system worked back in 2019. And we were like, that's wrong. So anyone that's been listening to the Talking Yanks has known like, We've been saying that, and it's nice to see Joel Sherman be like, all their decisions are made in a silo of like, is this the best way to make this decision without anything else surrounding it? And they've defended moves like that for a while. I remember Hal defending all the righties after the 2021 season saying those were the best players available at the time. So we just went out and got the best players available at the time. It's like, all right, it's a classic football thing. You draft for for talent or you draft for need. And they've been drafting for talent their version of talent instead of need for a long time. Basketball basketball could probably be your better example there. It's like if the Yankees put together a team of centers. Yeah. Oh, all these centers were available. Okay. Yeah. You can't bring the ball up the court. It was, ni- it was nice to see Joel, like, write that, because that's the biggest part. Like, no one's making a uh, – there's no umbrella. And Joel should be dancing on graves, man. I remember the first time Joel came out with that article, and we are like, Whoa. Uncle Joel, let it eat. Like he's like, this team's not athletic. There's no lefties, and we were kind of like, damn, Joel. Like this team's, I don't know. It still looks like they're gonna win ninety games, and I, you know, Stanton and Judge are pretty cool. And then it was like, <gasps> shit, <laughs> go get them, Joel. That, that's like the thing with this season that like Yankees can't like hide behind. This isn't like 2021 where we thought they'd win the division or at least be very very competitive, and they ended up the last wild card. And like, oh, well, we just won a couple more games. Like, no, you missed the playoffs by a lot. Like, we're not doing that. And even, and I guess, I think, I think for all of us, for Talking Yanks fans, I think for BBD, James, and myself, I think the, maybe the biggest punch in the face organizationally was when they called the 21 wild card like a good season. Yeah, it's like, hey, guys, you couldn't be further off, man. One and done. Bonus wild card spot, one game at Fenway, success. You're out of your mind. Squid and, that's and, just, squid and Odor in the starting lineup. That's not being kept in check. Yeah. That's not being kept in check. Yeah. Because you, I get a little bit of the analytics, like make the postseason. You're not sure what's going to happen. There's risk in short series. Yeah, it's a little true. Not but that. Not, not that. that. That team wasn't winning if they went further. Not that. Uh John Heyman wrote an article, and uh, he had a bunch of bullet points uh, for, like, you know, the bad things about the Yankees. And the second bullet point is uh, they are unathletic and unexciting. Yankees are 20th in stolen bases, tied for 25th in triples, 13 and dead last in doubles. They still somehow draw fans, as they always do. Those fans are as loyal as they are angry. (laughs) They've been boring for a long time. Since 2019. Yeah. Outside of first half of 22, it has been kind of all not fun watches since 2020. Yeah. Like Judge. I like that. I like that Joel in his article said, you know, they they lead the league in charlatans. Yeah. That was... uh, That got an audible reaction out of me when I... That, that was the mic drop. Uh, for those that don't know what a charlatan is, kind of just like a... Uh, I told him at the start. Someone that visits Charlotte. Like a quack. Like a psychic. 
someone that specializes in something says they specialize in something, but they do not. But they do not. <laughs> Boom. Roasted. Speaking of roasted, don't roast your balls. Huh. Get yourself some Tommy John underwear. It's fall, which means you should be picking apples, not wedgies. Get new underwear that will take care of your whole fruit basket, and that's Tommy John. I've made the change. Um, I made two Tommy John orders. First order, ordered a sampler pack of Tommy John, basically. I clicked around because I had my one go-tos, but I was like, wow, they have a bunch of different models. Let me find out which one I like the most. Second order, went in on the uh, the 360 Sport. Uh, you know, I'm an athletic guy, like 360 protection. like the way they fit on my body. Maybe you'd like a different pair. So I recommend you doing the same. And you'll get 20% off your first order right now at TommyJohn.com slash Yanks. Save 20% at TommyJohn.com slash Yanks. Click the link in the description. 20 million pairs sold. I'm 10 of those. Click the link in the description. Go get yourself some Tommy John. You're 10 of those. Let's listen to the queen of stats. K.T. Tunstall. <laughs> Suddenly, uh, sudden. The queen of stats. And this week, I'm just going to look at some things that we can watch for in the final week of this season. Now that the Yankees have been eliminated from the postseason. There's still some stuff worth watching for and tracking. So the first, the first and most obvious one is to continue their uh, record for consecutive winning seasons. Um, so the last time that they had a losing season was in 1992. And since then, every other team has had at least three separate losing seasons um, in that span. So, and this would be, uh, this would be their 31st consecutive winning season, uh, which is the second longest in MLB history, trailing only a Yankee streak, uh, 39-year streak from 1926 to 64. So they're 79-77 right now after this uh, Diamondbacks win, and so they just obviously need to go 3-3 three and three or better to be above 500 for the season. Um, and kind of sticking with that, uh, another one is that if the Red Sox win all six of their games, finish with a winning record, and the Yankees finish with a winning record, then the AL East would become the first division ever to have every team finish above 500. That's since divisional play began in 1969. So another thing to look for. And sticking with the division stuff, so the Yankees right now are 20 and 29 in the AL East, which is a 408 win percentage. So the worst winning percentage in the division that they've ever had is uh, 423. So in order to beat that, so to say, uh, they need to go uh, 3-0. and If they go against the Blue Jays, if they go 2-1, and then they'll tie that. If they go 1-2 and or get swept, uh, then they would, you know, set their unfortunate record for their worst divisional record uh, ever. Um, and then just a few more fun things to look for uh, to see if happens um, in this final week, kind of relating to players. So if Everson Pereira um, hits his first career home run, hits a, hits a home run, he would be the fourth Yankee, age 24 or younger, to hit their first career home run this season. Uh, Volpe, uh, Jason Dominguez, and Austin Wells have already done it. And that's only been done four other times in Yankees history. So that would be cool. Um, let's get IKF to play all nine positions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> only five players have ever done it. Uh, the most recent was Andrew Roline uh, for the Tigers in 2017. No Yankees ever done it. 
Um, that's in a single game. And let's start seven players age 25 or younger in a game, including the pitcher. So the only time in the last 100 seasons that's done by, done by the Yankees uh, was October 1st, 1966. So let's do it. Let's get Burrito in there, Wells at, at uh, catcher, Florio in center, Volpe at short, Peraza at third, Cabrera in right, and Pereira in left. Uh, and that would do it. All right. Have can a good you, one, can guys. Can run that lineup back again? Let's tell Boone to do that. Mm. And it was the last time, only last time in 100 seasons done by the Yankees in 1916. No Yankees ever done it. Um, that's in a single game. And let's start seven players age 25 or younger in a game, including the pitcher. So the only time in the last 100 seasons that's done by, done by the Yankees uh, was October 1st, 1966. So let's do it. Let's get Burrito in there, Wells at, at uh, catcher, Florio in center, Volpe at short, Peraza at third, Cabrera in right, and Pereira in left. Uh, and that would do it. All right. Have a good one, guys. Wow. So Burrito on the bump, Wells catching, Volpe at short, Peraza at third, Cabrera in left, and Pereira. Cabrera in right, Pereira in left, Floreal in center. Oh, wow. Pretty close to what we're rolling out anyway, so just kind of need to start Burrito. <laughs> and Glaber at second. Pereira not be hurt. There's one that position li- that open. That lineup would have Glaber at second. And yes. DJ at first. Yes. Wow. How old is Rortvet? He's 26. I think he just turned 26, yeah. Okay. Happy belated, Ben. Um. Okay. Anything that you really like there, Jake? Something to look forward there with the young Glaber's lineup. only 25 and the, the, the... No, he's number 25. He's yeah, 26. He's 26 now. Um, thank you, Katie, um, for, for trying to ben, put... Ben Rortfitt's 26th birthday was yesterday. Oh, I missed it. Shit. I did not. Wait, Florio's 25 and a half. It was 24 and younger, right? I think it's 25 and younger. Um, thank you, Katie. What else did we have to unpack there? Um... IKF every position can't do that. Why? I think they should do that. In one game or No, not in one game. Yeah. They were not in one Twitter's game. Twitter's hot on that doing an IKF day. No. No. Which I'm out on. I'd get knock it all off for the season, sure. I'm fine with that. That's fun, but he needs just to play catcher, right? And first. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Last day of the season, put him one inning of each. Don't do don't do one game. He plays all nine positions. That then out. we'll get that video forever. Kind of out on both. I'm like, fine with being out on both. I'd rather yeah. do neither than even sniff. Yeah. The fucking ultimate Will Ferrell joke, like of a team doing that. I guess. I guess what really grinds my gear about it is there have been a couple games over the past two seasons where there actually was like a throw IKF at catcher for an inning moment. And if you ignored it the whole time, then don't do it as a goof or a gaff or like, look at this. Like I'm out. Like you guys kind of had every opportunity. You pretended he was the starting shortstop for one year. And then this year 
I mean, he he booped around and and played a lot of positions, but don't do that. If IKF wants to do wants to get an inning at each in just so he can put his name in record book, he doesn't. Yeah, then we I'm know, fine with it. We know IKF well enough at this point. Like, imagine if the media asked IKF that. Yeah, he'd say no. Yeah, he was asking, and that. like, good for him. Yeah, he was asking. He would. Like, because if you also asked IKF, would you have been willing to hop in a catcher in the 13th inning of XYZ game? He'd say, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I want to, I actually want to help the team win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, call me an outlier. I will do whatever it takes to help the team win. <sighs> They've, like, lauded him for having that personality trait. Like, whoa, IKF's a pretty special guy. He, you know, he'll do anything to win. Should be the norm. And come with the abilities. Standard. Yeah. I, I at no point thought he wasn't trying his best. I mean, last win. year he said he asked them to help on defense and they said, nah, you're good. Don't worry. Mm. What else did we have there? Kids lineup, IKF. Um, they're going to have the worst division record ever. Unless they sweep. Which isn't happening. Which isn't happening. Jays are playing for something. So they're going to have the worst in-division record ever. I did have some thoughts on that because going back to the previous 19, you played each team in the division 19 times, right? That's what it was in previous years? Or was it 17? 18 or 19, yeah. Okay. Um, Remember there was a time when, when we were trying to be delusional about why the Yankees roster looks like it was, and we were kind of convincing ourselves that the Yankees were building their roster to beat the Red Sox. Like, the Red Sox had a bunch of lefty pitchers, so the Yankees had a bunch of righties, and it was kind of... The Yankees had these guys built to go opposite field at the stadium, and it was... It felt like... It felt like the Yankees front office said, like, ooh, you know, we're going to be competing with Boston. Like, let's build our roster to go attack them. Um, And now it's funny seeing them both at the bottom of the division. Red Sox have moved on from their front office regime. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. Have... Have the worst record against your division. Anything at this point that can help drive home a point from the auditors or Hal or ourselves, let's get that. Like your worst in division record, the teams you knew you were going to play the most, and you know they've prioritized before. You had your worst record all time against them. Like let that sink in, and let's learn how to grow from it because it's horrible. Make moves. Got to. And I should I tell people what I my parameters that I've decided in my head that I have the right to change my mind before we get talk to Boone. You had the right to reevaluate at some point. Got a long time to reevaluate. They need to bring in a third baseman, a left fielder, and a center fielder. If those three guys aren't lefties or switch hitters, if anyone that they bring in to man those positions is a righty only then one of Stanton, DJ, or Glaber needs to be moved in a trade that also brings back an asset besides Stanton. That brings back a lefty, yeah. Cannot have DJ, Glaber, and Stanton all in the lineup if you're adding more righties down the line. And Volpe's going to be in the lineup. Right. Yeah. So, I don't think they're going to go three for three bringing in Third baseman. I actually don't even think they're going to bring in a new third baseman, left fielder, or center fielder. Yes, I I think 
Infield gets really tricky with lefties. Like, that's not, you know, most infielders are righty-righty. Um, and there's the Peraza part of this equation that we still don't have figured out. Um, I'm a big Ryan McMahon guy from Colorado. If you can find a way to bring that guy in the building, uh, he plays gold glove defense at third, and he's a lefty at the stadium. Like, something like that feels like such a... Like, whatever the Rockies ask for prospect-wise... What would turn your head and make you say no? Um, The other thing with that, so the infield would be the only thing that I turn my head and I'm like, I I can't get myself jazzy on that. Outfield, they have no excuse. Like, but but that's my point though. Like, it's impossible. It's not likely to bring in three that are lefty. So you have to move on. You have to move on from someone anyway. Like you have to. Yeah. Roll back. You You cannot roll back. Judge. Obviously, you roll back Judge. But then uh, supporting cast, you cannot roll back Rizzo, DJ, Stanton, Glaber, Volpe. You cannot roll back those same five guys. Otherwise, you haven't made any changes. Yeah, I, I guess the only the only counter the, to that would be the truest outlier there is easily Stanton. Like, DJ has shown us a little hope recently. Rizzo, you can point to the injury. Glaber has been very good this year. And Volpe's supposed to be hopeful for upcoming seasons. Ugh, I hope they don't think that. You cannot run it back. Otherwise, you made no changes. That's five of your nine. And Judge is the six. So that's six of your nine. The same. Right. Well, yeah, it would depend and then how the catcher department is going to be the same, more. too. It would depend how impactful the other three moves are. Like if it was. Belly. Catcher position will at least be more left-handed. I'm not saying same thing we were saying yesterday. You can't rely the, on Wells to impact. If but. the two outfielders were Belly and Kiermaier, with Dominguez coming back in midseason, I can talk myself into that. Yeah, I mean Kiermaier's not much offensive help, but he's nice in center. No, but for half a year, ideally for Dominguez to come back, and he's put good months together. Like I, I know his April was big. He's had big second halves before. Like. If you time it right with Kiermaier, and the worst case, which again, kind of talking about those Yankees living in silos and living in Charlotte or whatever, like Kiermaier, at least he's going to play class defense and be lefty. Like, (laughs) those are two such big boxes for the Yanks. Yeah, it's still a little scary. It can't be the one move. Yeah, because they have a lot to do. They have a lot to do. They need a change, too. They need to change people. Out. All right. Let's talk to Boone about that. Nah, he's not going to talk about that at all. We'll ask him some other questions. Open your heart, Boone. Kiermaier's sprint speed still rates out very well. Ardo, why don't you guys go get some Scots? Uh, something I've been driving home. Scots. This is the Scots. This is the one, the green logo. You've seen it in hardware stores. You've seen it in, you know, wherever you get, like, supplies, grocery stores, Scots. They're the number one in lawn stream, and they're, they're having fun. They're number one in lawn care. They're having fun with lawn streams. Jimmy, you called a wiffle ball game. I did. Let it uh, whiff and let it whiff first whiffs of glory. Uh, that they were... Uh, showing on the Scots YouTube channel. Uh, they're doing some, they're showing some goat yoga. Anything that can have grass in it, Scots is involved. And guess what? There's a lot of stuff that can have grass in it. Yankees play on grass. Do you know that? 
Uh, blue, blue crab. Right now, get 20% off on two or more Scott's products at scotts.com when you use code John Boy. Kentucky if, Bluegrass. If you've ever stepped on grass, I would go to their website. I'd follow Scott's on Instagram. Good content. You know I'm a content guy. 20% off two or more Scott's products at scotts.com when you use code John Boy. Kentucky Bluegrass also at Fenway. All right, Booney joining us from Toronto. Boone, I believe we have, this is our second to last chat. Next week's our last. So we'll have a lot to talk about after uh, the the road trip. How's it feel to say goodbye to the stadium for the, the season? Um, man, it was, uh, what an odd, odd weekend with weather. <laughs> um, it kind of reminded me of, uh, it, it made me harken back to, uh, 1999. We had probably an eight hour rain delay in Milwaukee in County stadium. We had to win to force the one game playoff with the Mets. That's when I was with the Reds and, uh, I remember just football being on. I think we started the game at like seven, eight o'clock and it was playing in just crappy conditions because we had to. Um, and that's kind of how this weekend was. Um, but it was good to really play well yesterday. Um, you know, and obviously, <clears throat> you know, collectively, you know, the young guys really, really came through big for us and a uh, fun way to, to finish things off and, and head out onto the road and, yeah, it was it was a uh, it was a good finish. Were any of the the like younger Latin guys giving you the look like we're really playing in this? Because I I remember it was a thing a couple years ago about wanting to get them reps in Hudson Valley just so they could play in cold weather. Like, were any of the guys looking around like, wait, they're not calling this? Heck no, let's go. It was <laughs> we're playing. Let's go get it. And um, you know, I think <clears throat> DJ and. And, and Judgey set a good tone right from the start with two good at bats to start out the game. Shoot, we had we had uh, we had their pitcher on the rope the ropes there in the first inning. He's he's at thirty five pitches with one out, and Wells is putting a good bat at bat together and smokes the ball for the double play. And you're like, man, that's like one of those plays in the game that could potentially swing it like one way or the other. Like, you know, he hits that ball through the hole he might be out of that game in the first inning. Instead he settles in and we got a ball game. So, um, no guys came to play and that was nice. Nice. It's a 40 minute first inning. We were watching it like, wow. Okay. So we got no fans, bad weather. And now we got a 40 minute first inning, which resulted in no runs for the Yankees. Like this is, you know, actually the, the weather was a little better than the day before. The day before was was worse, you know, especially late in that game, you know, because it, it was raining a little harder. The wind was huge. I mean, the wind was <laughs> – I mean, I think about a couple home runs that got taken away. That Saturday – or the – we played Sunday. Glaber hit that ball to yeah. left right away. That's a, that's a homer 80 other days of the year at home. And then Judge hits the ball to right center. And then somehow Oswald, I mean, absolutely scalds one right through it all into the bleachers and left center. So just a weird wind day. You saw the judge double the day before that kind of McCarthy was trying to chase down. 
couple drop balls in the outfield, just a, a weird couple days of baseball. But yesterday, especially with the conditions, um, I thought everyone played really well on both sides of the ball. You remember the starting pitchers for that 1999 game? Mm. Uh, Pete Harnish Ooh. for us. Yes, correct. Which which sucked because it would have been nice to have him pitching in the play, playoff game. So, uh, for them, Brad Eldred, Carl Eldred, Brad Eldred, Cal, Cal. That's what I said, Cal. Yeah, Cal Eldred. Yes, I was right. Yeah, that's correct. Wow. Ron Valone came in after uh, Pete, and and then uh, Woodward. Pulsifer and uh, Valerio De Los Santos for them. Bill Pulsifer? Yes. Yeah. Nice. Oh, how about that? Casey went two for five. You went one for four. Vaughn had a big home run. So did Michael Tucker right in front of you. Yeah. Good game. Yeah. Uh, great, good one. Booney, do, do you feel like, do you feel like now that it's uh, officially Yanks are knocked out of the playoffs, do you feel like the Sharks are out a little more? Like, there's been a couple articles the past couple days. You got people at the presser asking about your job yesterday. I mean, I guess technically we're, like, part of the Sharks. Maybe we're, like, the little fish that lives on the shark's belly. But, like, are, are you feeling it now more that it's officially eliminated and done? Uh, I don't – I mean, I don't know. I guess you got the questions at the presser yesterday. Um I don't know. I don't really pay attention to it. So, you know, I, <laughs> I'm a little bit naive to it other than what I deal with head on with you, you knuckleheads yeah. and, and, and at the press conference every day. So, um, I don't know, I guess, I, I guess it's, yeah, I guess that's possible. Nice. Well, to bring one to your attention in my knucklehead way, just kind of one serious convo, I guess, or something that's irking me that I want to hear your thoughts on is we had uh, two more players come out, rookie players, both Oswalds, Oswaldo and Oswald, Oswald and Oswaldo, come out and and kind of say, uh, you know, because Cabrera starts hitting a little bit, that he went back to his old approach. He went back and watched film from when he was in last year and saw that his swing had changed a lot. And he said there was too many voices in his head telling him to do different things. And the coaches were trying to get him to do this and that. I mean, he's selling out for power, basically, uh, a lot of, of his swing and said, it, you know, it wasn't his swing. You had Peraza say that um, the coaches wanted him to not do his big leg kick anymore. And then after the Detroit series, he said, that's how I swing. That's like what my swing is. I want to stop being bad and just did his leg kick. And now he's been hitting better spells um, here. In the, but, you know, hot right now. Uh, Volpe's t touted as this all-fields hitter, and we've seen him just kind of swinging for power nonstop, and the 20 home runs are nice, but really feels like he should be a, a line drive hitter. Well, what is... What do you have to, what did, what do you make of like the guys feeling comfortable to say this at the end now? They're like, well, the coaches were telling me one thing and I just had to stop listening to them and now I'm feel better. Isn't that a bad like sentiment? Yeah. yeah, it's a simple, simple pull from that. That's a simplified, another 
little passive aggressive play by you. No, I don't think I was that passive. Like I told you, this irks me. Yeah, but it's black. You're you're saying it like it's black and white. I had to just stop listening to the coaches and da 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 da. It's like no, that's what being a player and a young player is. Is like you got to weed out what works for you. You got to be able to like. There's no problems with Oswaldo and and you know I think and I think Sean and the guys have done a great job of working with them and getting them into a good place and it's really exciting where he's at. I don't think what you're saying is him saying uh, enough of them. Let me f- fix it myself. Is okay. kind of how you're playing it here. And the the reality is Oswaldo as I've maintained, even through the struggles, um, we feel like has a chance to be a really good player in the league. And I, I, I'm confident he's going to have a really long career. You know, when you look at his defensive versatility and what I think he can be as a hitter still, and what's been one of the things that's been exciting about this last month of the season is, you know, Oswaldo kind of getting it going a little bit, like, like I know he's capable of. And along the way, all of us raising my hand, you go through this in the going back in time. That's what becoming a big leaguer is. That's what becoming a regular is. That's what's becomes an established big leaguer is taking voices in, taking nuggets, being able to filter good thoughts, bad thoughts, and how do you shape it and mold it into helping you become the best player you can possibly be. Like, that's not new. Yeah, that makes a lot Nothing of sense. That, no, I'm glad that we're talking because that makes a lot of sense. So as as the or the coach's job is to is is to offer multiple different kind of like thought processes and options. Hey, this works for this guy. This works for that guy. And ultimately, the player has yeah, to. And then, and then ultimately, though, you do have people that you come across within your career that end up being super impactful that are like, man, this guy really helped me get to another level or this guy is, okay. you know, so that's what you're constantly working to. The reality is where Oswaldo is right now is I feel like he's in a really good spot. He's, he's consistently hitting the fastball again, which is something that's given him problems throughout the year. Um, so I'm excited about his finish and his perseverance because he's such a great dude and such a good competitor and, pro and you know just a worker so i'm super excited that as a young player he's gone through some struggles right some ups and downs and he's kind of seeing his way out of it through his work ethic and through his makeup and through his physical ability and that's been encouraging as far as peraza you know similar like you're you're constantly trying to find what unlocks you and what allows you to be the best you can be. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's part of, no, that makes sense. It's a, it's a different way to look at it that I was. And I think a lot of fans hear kind of guys talk that way and don't realize that's part of process. So that's part of becoming a big leaguer. And, and I remember the judge story when he changed his swing in 2017 and it was this big article about how, the coaches didn't like what he was doing. You weren't there with the team then. And he had to tell them, this is what I'm doing. Stop. And I guess now that's him kind of maturing or, or having the confidence to say, this is what I want to do. And that this is what I don't want to do. And that's where the young kids, that's the natural growing pain is what you're saying of rookies coming up and 
it filtering. absolutely can be. Yes. Okay. Everyone's different. Everyone's journey's different and everyone, but part of, I think part of being a professional ball player is as you, as you go through the ranks and in, in, in the minor leagues. And if you're one of the small percentage that makes it to the big leagues, and then one of the even smaller percent that uh, has a big league, a long big league career, like you've got to learn how to take in the right advice. This works for me. This doesn't work for me. And then, you know, you have those people that are also super impactful that, you know, help you, you know, go to another level or really lock you in. Um, but that's, you, you got to have that discernment and that discernment plays a big role in, in becoming a big league player. We talked through that. I think, I, I think, I think our hitting group right now is in a very good place with, with our hitters and, and what they're, you know, what they're doing and, and the work they're putting in. There we go. See, we can do this together. Um, <laughs> One one of the other guys, I and it got mentioned there a little bit. Volpe's having a a tough September. Um, you know, I think at one thirty eight batting average. You know, we've obviously this. You know, some of the most pressure we've seen on a kid coming into a Yankee season. Uh, all the eyes on him throughout from spring training till now. Um, for this September, I, I guess, are you seeing anything differently? Is is it just baseball and you you know a bad twenty games can happen? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I, I think physically he's held up very well. So I want to start with that. But also, this is the first time, let alone playing at the big league level, playing for the Yankees in the American League East. Like, this is his first go around at 162. It's first of playing that that final month where you know, and he's pretty much played every single day. Um, you know, so he's held up very well, but. I, I think there is some inevitable fatigue that goes along with that. Um, you know, he's on balance had a very strong season, 22 year old that, you know, is pretty much barely played triple a going into this year, comes in with all eyeballs on him and has handled everything so well. Um, and he, you know, he's got adjustments to make that I'm confident that he'll be able to make, um, Moving forward, that'll allow him to continue to become a better and better player. But I think on balance, especially when you consider how how special he's been on defense at a premium position, um, you'd have to say a pretty strong debut. And you know, now now the the work doesn't end. You know, we're just getting started, and that's one of the great things about Anthony is he loves this game, he loves everything about it, he loves the work that goes into it. And I'm really confident that he'll continue to make adjustments that will continue to allow him to become a better and better hitter. See, Glaber Torres really mature over the years, and he got um, profiled as a guy that, uh, when he, as a rookie, that could come up, go to all fields, um, reactionary hitting, react to the pitch, go with the pitch. And then he comes up, and the balls might be a little juiced, and he pops 30 home runs or 38 or whatever the hell it was. And and he yeah. got a little homer happy. He still gets got really good results. But we're seeing Glaber this year really go with the ball and the field and situationally hit. Like it was a couple weeks ago, there was runners on second and third, and he brought out his two strike approach on the first pitch of that bat and just kind of blocked one to right field, yeah. two RBIs. I was like, I've been very impressed with his approach at the plate. Almost looks more like Rizzo than Judge uh, in a way, which is 
it didn't in the past, if that makes sense. And that's something yeah. with batting average becoming more of a big factor this year with the shift and all that. And I think the top 15 teams in batting average are the playoff teams. Is that something that like, you know, Volpe, it seems like his skill set can really adapt where you would say, Hey, can, you know, let's talk to Glaber a little, like he went through this kind of changes and using the whole field and all that. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you know, they're very different players and different hitters. Um, the one thing that's been really exciting about Glaber this year is his maturity as a hitter. Like you're looking at now a guy that start with very talented, like Glaber's got all kinds of power, like he, you know, and, and, all, and power the other way, but, but has great bat the ball skills as well always has. And I think what you're seeing is the maturation process of now a very experienced big league player that's been through, you know, big successes at the big league level, but has also had his, you know, moments or months where he's really struggled. And through all that, now you're looking at a fifth year player or whatever. That's that, even though he's still a young, young man, he's got a lot of, a lot of experience and um i think he's also matured uh you know i i think he's just matured as well and you know so you know routine of getting ready i think he's done a great job of not giving away any at bats this year not giving away pitches um and what we've seen is a consistent player all year long you know in 2022 last year you know there were some similarities between the two years. He just had, he had last year, he had a couple of valleys that were pretty long. You know, I think it was August where he really, really struggled. You know, he hasn't really gone through a stretch where he struggled. Maybe some stretches where he's had a couple of weeks where he hasn't got results, but I think you watch game in and game out as you guys do the consistency of his at bats this year has been really, really impressive. And I think it's, I think it's the result of a, more mature and polished major league hitter that's really talented. Yeah, his two-strike approach has been pretty evident, especially uh, breaking balls with two strikes. He just – he's going to put the ball in play, and it leads to kind of dink hits, but it's dropped from 15%, I think it was 18% last year, to 10% put away. So, you know, with two strikes, he really, like, locks in, and it's been really fun to watch him hit. All year, it, it it really has. He has a really good understanding of what pitchers and uh, you know opposing teams are doing to him now, and to see his you know strikeout rate go down, walk rate go up, and like you said, those two two strike situations, especially if he's in a matchup where you know, hey, this is a tough one. You know, this I got a less is more here, and and I think that's one thing that um, hopefully you know we'll get some more guys understanding that in certain situations, certain tough pitcher matchups, less is more sometimes. And uh, I think Glaber's done a really good job with that. I have a question, or maybe this isn't a question. Maybe it's a proposal. And I want to uh, ensure this by saying I am a, f a fan of uh, a disgruntled fan of a last place team. And, and this is something that's been uh, that I'm proposing to you. You're, you are, who are you a fan of? You're Reds, you're not a Red Sox fan. Oh, <laughs> I haven't checked the standings in a little bit. A couple games up on them, Jim. Okay. 
Not a Red Sox fan. Second last. Yeah. Just disgruntled. Just disgruntled. I would. I propose that you continue to uh, back your players on balls and strikes and missed calls as much as you do. Maybe get the ejections down because I know your daughter doesn't enjoy them, but I enjoy them. And and continue that. But I think next year you you should tell the players. Dollar jar. Just me. Just me. Because uh, there's too many Yankees this year striking out looking on pitches in the zone and then almost t- looking at the ump and complaining, and it's starting to bother me a ton. And I'd, mm-hmm. I'd propose next year, it's like, uh, I'll do this. You guys just do what Judge does. He's the captain. Follow him. He just walks away. What do you think? Yeah. Um, yeah, I get upset when they when they act like it's a ball, and then I find out it's a strike. That bothers me, too. So okay. uh, I check oh. them. Okay, great. Good. Yeah, it's been bothering me a lot. It's been happening a lot uh, lately. And I'm like, come on, guys. That well, was good. a strike. Lately, I haven't got kicked out that much lately. Once. Yeah. Because... You did good. You were, hot the, you were hot the other day for a minute. What was that? Uh, Miguel Castro's disengagements? You were, you were in it. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they had to go get a, a pitch comp from the bench, which should have cost them at least another disengagement. And they're like, no, he had it on him, which he did not have it on him. Mm. You like PitchCom? That happened to us. That happened to us a month or two ago. Literally, in the course of a week, and Vic Carapaza was one of the umpires for this, so he knew what I was talking about. So he, so we had the same thing happen, cost us a disengagement or a mound visit or whatever, and then literally like two days later. The same thing happened to the other team, and they're like, no, it's okay. And I'm like, no, you're wrong. So then we had this come up yesterday, and I'm telling them, you're going to, I'm going to get a call from the office tomorrow. You guys are, and be like, yeah, we messed that one up. I'm just telling you that right now. Did you get the call? I've not got the call, but they know. Right after this. Well, you didn't get ejected. That's a telltale sign that they knew you were right. Well, they're like, no, he he had one on him. It wasn't working. Which I went back and I was like, okay, then I take it back. But he did not have it on. Uh-huh. Mm. I uh, I think uh, my friend across the screen was about to allude to this in a different way. But I, I want to ask it. Uh, Jimmy misses seeing the catchers flashing the fingers. I mean, it's, a, it's another way to watch the game, right? Like you can kind of stay in it and you might know what's coming. And from the fan perspective, it kind of adds, uh, adds another level. Um, I want to tie that to... Clay Holmes came out and he banged like five straight sliders to to start that save. <laughs> see, I see you recognize yeah. that. Is that Clay? Is that Wells? Is that Blake? Like, let us in a little bit on that. Um, that's a little of everything there. Um, that's one of those we were on the bench thinking, you know, their hitters are going back to the dugout, probably going. You said he's seventy percent sinker, <laughs> you know. Um, but Clay has that ability, you know, like, um, so, was, you know, and, and you got to, you know, outing to outing can't always, you know, be a one trick pony. And I, I think I think Clay's done a better job all season long with really establishing that the, the slider. And yesterday was a really good one. Um, but but essentially, I think it was a little bit of harking him in the bullpen and then on into you know, Austin putting it down and, and running with some things and then, you know, allows the sinker to play a little bit better. You saw Walker after after he got, you know, slidered, fam for the strikeouts, 
then he then he starts Christian Walker off with one, and he kind of gets Christian Walker swinging at an up and in sinker, like probably thinking, you know, just throw him off a little bit, and and that led to an O two count against Walker. So just a good job by Holmes coming in and really really executing and showing he can do it, you know, a couple different ways, not just sinker you to death. Does Clay throw two sliders? Because baseball savant has a sweeper and a slider. Yeah. And that is, it's not just that's a, that he throwing two different styles. Yeah. He does have two different ones. Okay. Yeah. He threw 71%. Well, sweeper and then 14% slider. So 80, 85% to righties. Uh, Cause then the lefty comes up and he goes back to the sinker in that at bat. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm over pitch com. I want to see, that's my favorite part of being a fan is like the, when there's no one on base, that like I can be part of that conversation that's happening between the fingers well, and the shaking, and with the that ship, that ship has sailed, buddy. So you you think so? It's causing yeah. so many problems, and like with the fifteen what? seconds now, just go back. What what problems is it creating? You getting mad at Vic <laughs> twice? It's entertaining. I mean, it's you fun. guys had to go to the bullpen so many times that you know you ran out of one one game. So many problems. Yeah, that's two. I think three. Math issue all year. I like the seeing the catcher give the signs and the pitcher shake, and I say, "Oh, he doesn't want to throw the fastball." You like it, but you're gonna have to get past that. Now I I now I just see Cole shaking his head at Rortvet like crazy the whole time. I'm like, "What's he calling? What do you not want to throw, Cole?" That's what I want to know. Have like NASCAR does. They should have it like at TV. We can listen in. I guess then there's cheating. Yeah, I think Pitchcock's been pretty. Guys. We're we're kind of about it, but he's a catcher, man. He likes seeing them signs. Yeah, I just want to see the the signs. That's all. Yeah, uh, so does the other team. Yeah, like they could hack a Bluetooth quicker than they could hack a, s- a set of signals. Any thoughts? Your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you would know something about that for sure. Uh, yeah, I just they can do it. <laughs> Watch out. Be careful. I think um, yeah, I we, think we're safe so we, far. We had uh, Katie Sharp, who does uh, Sharp Stats for us. Uh, she's awesome. Uh, she was, you know, for this final week, a couple things for us to look out for. Uh, she threw out the idea, um, you know, we've there's a lot of kids on the team. I think only once in the past 100 Yankee seasons have there been seven starting Yankees, 25 and under. And I think if you started a Brito Vasquez day, you can get there with Wells, Volpe, Peraza, Cabrera, Floreal, Pereira. So, any interest in that? I guess history. Okay, noted. Okay, it would be the first time since Mike Hegan, Horace Clark, Bobby Mercer, Joe Pepitone, Steve Whitaker, Billy Bryan, John Miller, Mike Ferreira, and Fritz Peterson on the mound. <laughs> What was that, like late 60s, early 70s? 66. Dooley yeah. Womack came in relief. That's a fun name. Uh, Dooley Womack. His name uh, was Horace. Uh, his name was Horace Guy Womack. Um, and IKF on all nine positions. He could become like one of the fifth or sixth players ever in history to play all nine positions in a single season. I It's a little too hokey for me, I decided. I was initially in on it. And then I decided if it's too forced. First and catcher. First and catcher. But I think if you do it last, if he wants it, 
and doesn't feel like it's weird pity. He just wants his name part of that list. I think you should you should do it. Thoughts? Oh, I don't hate that. Okay. okay. But you can't do it in one game like the t- Tigers did with Romine where he plays all nine in one game. I don't like that at all. But if he all gets right. an inning at first, and it, what if you have, if you have to bring Sweet in a position season. player to pitch, then you can bring IKF in the catch. That's fun. Ooh, let's hope not. I don't want to have that happen. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Thanks, Booney. Enjoy Toronto. All right, guys. There you have it, Jake. That was Bantering with Boone, penultimate episode. Hey, can I say something? Yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as well. There, I, yeah. There's a couple couple of the past couple weeks we've come in and been like, God, what do you even do? Uh, this one felt like the guard was down. It felt like we could... We could press a little more, and it felt like he could answer a little more, and there were some moments of levity, so that's kind of the goal. No, I like the conversation about that's what rookie players are supposed to be to do, and and then, yeah, that's that, it, that makes something. a lot of sense. Coaches aren't going to just give you the advice and it magically works. They're going to give you a lot of different routes that you can take, and then you have to decide what's the best for you. And as a rookie player, sometimes you think, I have to listen to my coaches. I have to do what they're saying or, like, let me try everything. And that can get you in bad places. That makes a lot of sense the way he, like, pointed it out. So I I accept that. And I won't read into those quotes um, poorly anymore. Okay. I'll, I'll allow him. But they're, I think he's also telling white. his players a little bit, like, shut up, guys. This is normal. Like, don't out your coaches. Yeah. Because Cabrera's... Not good quotes to be publicly saying. The way it seems like that was phrased was not had had little nuance. Yeah, yeah, and it's going back to the reporters and stuff. With you know, this is as as much blood has been in the water, you know, for a Yankees team in a long time. That you know, Oswaldo maybe answering a question honestly uh, could be taken a little harder right now, and I don't know. I'm. Part of me is glad. Like, I, I think you could see it in Oswaldo. Like, he was just rolling over every ball to second base to start this young year. It, it became uh, it became a joke. Like, when was it? I, I think IKF a little bit last year, and I think when, uh, when DJ was hurt and he had a horrible case of the rollovers, like, it almost became a gag. His whole 2021 was, season. Yeah, it, it, it almost became like, I, I bet I could tell you what happens here. Um, and then, yeah, I think we've seen from Oswaldo lately, he's been taking some balls the other way. And also if he gets an inside fastball, being fast enough to get his hands in. Um, but yeah, it's at the end of this year, it's going to be one of those things that's tough to tough to put it all together. Cause as much as, and Boone said it, and we've seen it like Oswaldo is a special dude, like as a 24 year old kid that came into our office, like with as much respect, but also like being a silly young guy that he gave me mayor vibes like that, that guy could walk into any room, shake the hands, kiss babies. It's tough to separate the personality from, okay. Like the performance hitting wise just wasn't acceptable this year that, you know, when we've talked about whether it's penciling him in for something next year, is it the last guy on the bench? Is it the first guy that gets called up from AAA? Either of those roles on previous Yankees teams get used a lot that, you know, if Oswaldo were to hit like that again next year, you know, the egg ends up being on your face. So, I don't know. Ho- hopefully, you can look back and say it's a learning year, but <laughs> we're hoping to say that for 
about 90% of the Yankee season. Yes. Yeah, I'm like you that's I'm getting nervous with how how many times well, you know, he he's going to improve. It's like, well, no. Not everybody not everybody improves. That, yeah. That's the game. And what was his answer majority on Volpe and the struggles on the stretch balance? Um he was kind of alluding to while, you know, making sure he said all the right things that not saying Volpe's worn out, but a full MLB season is something that these guys never have done before. Can't that do it till you do it. He he think he think he did say, which I, you know, I don't think I'm taking this on out of context. That like fatigue is a factor for Volpe. Yeah. Um, which I don't know. What is pain? Yeah. And then it's like, well, <laughs> why'd you guys play him every day? <laughs> what was that about? That's a move for next year. Uh, you know it's a move for this year? Tell me. DraftKings. Because the MLB playoffs are coming up for other teams. In DraftKings Sportsbook, you won't miss a moment of the baseball action. We're going to be live streaming all playoffs long. Uh, we have some fun uh, with our DraftKings bet. We kind of bet as a team. We win as a team. Uh, there's a couple times we've lost as a team, but we persevere. And if you download the DraftKings app, and you bet just $5 on baseball, you'll get $200 instantly in bonus bets. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code YANKS. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball only on the DraftKings Sportsbook with code YANKS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in Connecticut. Help is available for prom gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus ages vary by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash baseball for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Great job. Can I tell you... It was hard for me to not let it out in the Boone interview today. I had a shower thought while I wasn't in the shower. Nice. Woke up, um, wanted to get a little workout in, but I wasn't ready to like get in that mood, so I went to the couch, pet mm-hmm. noodle for a second. And I had the name Vic Carapazzo in my head. Oh, really? And I was like, how weird is that? Maybe because you saw him yesterday? Yeah. And then yeah. Booney brought him up today, and I was like, huh. Huh. Doing him dirty. Vic Carapazzo. Yeah, a little bit. Vic. <laughs> Waiting Mad for the call. <laughs> Well, Vic knew it was wrong, but he got to stick up for his other umps. What is that call like? Hey, Boney. Hey, Aaron. Uh, Gump's here. Uh, yeah. Just, uh, yeah. We had it wrong. Uh, we did have that. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, wrong. See you later. Hey. We'll give you a call in the fourth inning today. Boom. Boom. Two balls. One strike. Tell you guys not to swing. What else could happen? It's an important pitch, a 2-1 pitch. It is. It is. It is. It is. It is. Uh, impressive that Boone knew both starting pitchers from that 1999 game. Yeah. Eight-hour rain delay. Five and a half. A little dramatic, Booney. Yeah. I did the research. Five and a half. Uh, he got a hit. But then like i think it was the guy behind him bunted and he got out of second or he got or or he got to second sack bunt to get the guy from first to second i understand why that got out of the game mm. 
Analytics have that one right. Second to third, I still think there's value there, especially sure. no outs. Yeah. Uh, Bunt and the guy to second because that's scoring position. I think maybe they get that one right. They got a little too juicy with scoring position there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Hey. With all the articles and stuff coming up, there's also situations that are different. If you can get that guy over and you got a couple of your good hitters up, I'm uh, open to it. How about Boone saying that? If um, it was Trevi in the nine hole and DJ and Judge were coming up, sure. Boone saying less is more and sometimes like situations oh need that. It's like, well, okay, according to like all the reports, you guys don't teach that at all. You just think more is more. And also Glaber, we've been saying that for five years. Yeah. The less is more. Like keep it simple. It was not, it's it's not, it was nice seeing him talk lonely about Glaber's offense because it really you can see it the really has been really fun to watch. I agree. And he said there's no valleys this year, and it's true. Like Glaber offensively has been he's a good, good hitter. A steady Eddie. Even better than that. Nice, dude. It seems Yankees like say they believe in the situations and stuff, and maybe they do, but they it seems like their philosophy is, oh, the players will just do that. And like, yeah, the, they'll, 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 know, they'll know. They'll know to just, it's like, well, eventually Glaber knew. And like, like, yeah, you're push him into that. That's one. I think my two final things. One, we're going to be at Billy's Sports Bar in the Bronx this Sunday. We're doing our Blitzball Blitz playoffs there. We sold a bunch of tickets. Bring the whole family. We've got all our crews coming. Uh, Joe's McFly, We Got Ice, Kenobi Ojali, ourselves. We're playing the first game at 11.30 a.m. It's the first time we're doing an event like this. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, We're selling some tickets on our website. There might even be a link in the description. Uh, If you don't have plans this Sunday, come through. It's going to be a lot of fun. Go Yanks. Wait, I had a second thing. Oh, yeah, your second thing. Uh, Nikki Cass posted a picture. He visited some family in Italy. Yeah. And he is head and shoulders above everyone. Ha <laughs> ha. Whoa. <laughs> Let me see that. That's Get it It's an IG story, so it's going to try to run away on you. I mean, he looks like he looks like Christian McCaffrey. Now. At Nikki Cass's Now, a lot of older women, but sure. that guy. Yeah. He's five, five flat. And Nikki Cass will be there too. His team love you. They're the one seed. I mean, that's a five flat guy. You know, my grandpa's five one. My mom gets so upset about it. Yeah, no, he wasn't. Was. Like, yes, he was. And then I have his uh, military ID that says five one. And she gets, she's like, doesn't account, count that. I'm like, what are you talking? Like, yeah, he was short, mom. Yeah. What do you think? Like, ID. what what height does she think he was? Because I'm short, she thinks he's like my height. I'm like, mm. no, I'm six inches taller than him. <laughs> he was really short, mom. She gets like upset. He's like five one tiny, as you're seeing here. Yeah, Nikki Fa- Nikki Cass's guy. Can't wait to message him about that. All right, I mean, Nikki's not tall. Nikki's your guy's height. That's rude. <laughs> Nikki's like five four. Five five is that max. Much a problem? I think me and Nikki. Are he probably he probably no. You're taller than Nikki. I would. Have I, to, I have you guys above him. But I'd, I'd have like to check the ch- same, shoes. You're in the same neighborhood. Same neighborhood. Go Yanks. Tom Grams. Go Yankees.